Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash nmvpod. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hello and welcome back to the Never Made Varsity Podcast. It is our winter season opener. My name is Maverick Hart. You can find me on social media at heartbreak underscore underscore kid. My name is Aaron. I'm back after a long hiatus. I hope you all miss me. Uh, And you can find me on Twitter at Aaron P. Friedman. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2019. Uh, My name is Colby. You can find me on Twitter at Colby complains, all one word. It has been a while. It we went through the holidays all the way through Christmas and all the way yeah. through the new year. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> happy Kwanzaa. Happy all New Year. Stuff. Happy New Year. When is it too late to say Happy New Year? I don't know. I went out to dinner yesterday and someone told me Happy New Year. I, I'm still hearing Happy New Year. I'd say basically all of January, I would, I would say. That's a that's a long not, buffer. Not to say that like I would go all the way to the end of January. I'm just saying someone probably will. I feel like it depends where you are and like what you're doing. I feel like if you're in like a hospitality industry, like I feel like Mav, the New Year season at the Biltmore might be a little extended compared to. Yeah, no, I would definitely say so. Like I'm still speaking to guests that do very much say Happy New Year when I'm speaking with them. I know um, Izzy Gutierrez, um, ESPN said after January third, he no longer says Happy New Year. <laughs> like I feel it's like a hard line for him. I feel like once I go back to school, it's no longer Happy New Year season. New Year, new me. What y'all's resolutions? Don't fall down, twenty nineteen. <laughs> oh yeah, got to. Re- re- I'll go that for that up. one. I'll try not to fall down. Um, I also, my goal is to post one picture on Instagram that doesn't involve like my face, like turning the camera around. Cause I looked at my Instagram the other day and it was entirely, uh, just pictures of me and me with other people. And it kind of made me a little sad. So <laughs> I'm going to try to like be less me focused on outwardly on the internet. Let me check my profile now. I want to see that. Yeah, I was just scrolling through. I was like, wow, this is a lot of my face. (laughs) Mav, do you have Okay, so the last one that I didn't do of just my face (laughs) was one year minus five days ago. If I just off the top of my head, feel free to go through my Instagram. It is also cool. We complains. I think the last time I posted a picture that was not me was when I went to a baseball game with my friend, Adam and his dad in Charlotte. I think that was the last time, which was years ago. Yeah, it was June 16th, 2017. Yep. Look at that memory. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I mean, do you have any resolution? <laughs> no, Aaron, please. Please, please finish your thought. <laughs> okay. If mine's, you insist, not, it, mine's not interesting anyway, so don't worry. <laughs> I also think it depends on what you feel like the point of the platform is because I feel like a lot of the pictures that I take, I mean, I occasionally I'll take like sharing worthy pictures of other things, but like unless I take like a super cool photo here in Chapel Hill, like while I'm in Chapel Hill, I don't really know what else I'm going to share photos of. And I feel like that's like what my snap story's for. See, now my I'm also going to try to use Insta stories more and that's all going to be selfies when I'm feeling myself. But that's fair. <laughs> as far I've as used like, Insta story a total of zero times. See, I feel like everybody uses Insta stories now and it, when I'm working and when I'm doing stuff like 
for work social media, I use Instagram more. So I guess I'm getting used to it, but I don't know. Um, okay, Maverick is finally your time to shine. What <laughs> what is your resolution? Now I kind of forgot the second one. My first one was just kind of drink some water. Drink a little more water here and there. Good resolution as I'm drinking my water. Also, oh, there it Good is. Good resolution. You, use use names more use in conversations. Oh. Mm-hmm. The Andy Bernard Keys success personality mirroring. Repeat the name and never break a handshake. No, uh, uh, the name. Uh, someone's name is the best sound a person could ever hear. Yeah, but I do think there's a limit to it as well. Like if I just said well, not, Maverick over and over Maverick, then it seems like I'm chastising you, Maverick. Also, I think more like in meeting new people, I guess, or recalling names. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's a good resolution because name repetition makes it easier to remember a name, and I'm awful at remembering new names. Also, for those of you who are listening, which is all of you, uh, there was a visual gag where when Mav said, drink more water, I held up a water bottle and Aaron held up a beer can. I'm and 21 you, now. I can drink. You, I know what beer tastes like now. That. Which I said that I would probably be a couple drinks in when we started this podcast, but I drank like one beer and I did not drink anymore. So Yeah, I've had and that was like, like six. Half of this beer over the past two hours while I was watching one of my new shows on Netflix. Babysitting a blue moon. All right. Y'all ready to jump into some stuff? Yeah, because we Let's took two it. weeks off and a lot happened in two weeks. A lot. Oh, yeah. This is the content episode, by the way. Can, can you tell we recorded this one first? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. Colby from the future here. So as I'm editing this podcast, I just now realized that we didn't tell you all that we aren't doing a sports episode this week uh something happened to the audio so we can't do that so this is the only episode you're getting um but yeah we are hoping to have both episodes back next week but i just want to step in and say yeah there is no sports episode so enjoy this bantering about something that never happened okay bye oh and david's not here and David's not here. Yeah, David is at some high school doing whatever he does at high schools. I was going to um, say, I don't even know what he's doing. I just assumed he was stranded doing a band thing. Yeah, I, I'm assuming it has something to do with music. We'll figure out. We'll find that out. Or I guess you'll already know. We'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> uh, well, let's jump in to some of the things that we watched over our very long break. Uh, first, the Netflix movie that took everyone by storm, Bird Box. Oh my gosh, it caught fire. And it was like the just days after we finished our last pod, and it just absolutely blew up on Twitter and everything. Uh, some people think it was a little hype. I think one of them is at least in this podcast. <laughs> and he was probably going to take a speak on it in just a moment. Hello um, there. Did ever did all three of us watch? No, I, I don't think Aaron. You have not. Yeah, but go ahead and spoil it. Like, if it's really that worth not hearing spoilers, then I'll take my headphones off. I'm not sure what there is to spoil, honestly. Because like um, the the premise of it kind of spoils it in of itself in a way. Yeah. But it's not so, really. A, it's in the trailer, so it's not yeah. really a spoil. It's not. Go ahead, Matt. I'm I'm getting thoughts together. Yeah. Basically, for anyone that's been under a rock the past two weeks, Me. the premise of this story is is that all of a sudden, this these beings that cannot be seen, or they're kind of invisible, otherwise kind of go to Earth, and then anyone who d- actually does see them drives them to the point where they commit suicide and kill themselves. And so people are have to resort to all these tactics to either blind themselves or to not look out or and things like that you know, and still try to live normal lives. And it stars Sandra Bullock, um, who was just known as the bird box lady. I'm about <laughs> to fight somebody. <laughs> she didn't save the, the Miss United States pageant. 
just to be called the Bird Box Lady. Sandra Miss Congeniality Bullock. is one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> Sandra Bullock did not float through space just to be haunted by a ghost George Clooney to be called the Bird Box Lady. <laughs> so um, she's the main character, and so basically she has kids with her, and she's trying to get them to what is known as a like a safe location where there are other humans currently living out their lives and trying to survive with these. And one of the subplots is there are people in the world who have actually seen whatever these entities are and are still alive. Um, and so I, it, there are some themes about mental illness um, going into those type of characters and everything else. Uh, but overall, what were some general thoughts that you had about it, Colby? Um. Uh, can I say something real quick? I was just going to make yes. a bad joke. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we're here now, so. <laughs> Would you call that safe place that they were going to the last safe place? Maybe. There's uh, plenty of places, I, but I don't think it's that been a minute. you got my a series of unfortunate events reference. It's been a I, while since I've read also, those books. I have not revisited that. We'll talk about a series of unfortunate events, or you'll talk about it, because I oh, have Oh, no one else watched it? Season. Oh, well, that, that no. was the whole point of my joke, was someone else watched it and would get it and laugh. I hope no, one of I, our millions of viewers has seen it. <laughs> yes, the viewers for this audio podcast. Um, I have... Yeah, I haven't gotten around to a series of unfortunate events yet, because that's a together show for Carla and I, and we're still working through Voltron, which we'll also talk about. Um, but like one first thought on Bird Box, I think it's really unfortunate that it came out the same year as A Quiet Place. I haven't seen A Quiet Place, but it seems very, very much like, oh, so it's like A Quiet Place, but eyes. Here, and and to comment on that really quickly, because I have seen The Quiet Place, because I would very much say it's A Quiet Place on a Netflix budget. But... I'm pretty sure this was supposed to be released in theaters. Um, but for whatever reason, they decided it would be better. It would be better suited for Netflix. Um, two, now that you, you started talking about the movie, there's not much plot in, um, in this movie is very much like character driven. Like there is not plot driven at all. Cause basically there's like one plot. It's don't die. Yeah. It's just like what happens to the, what is like the, the reactions of the characters either watching other people get, see the monster or not see the monster, you know? So it's very much a character driven movie, which can make it, for me, slow at times. Um, I also thought it was very predictable. Um, I There wasn't many times in the movie where I was like, oh, I didn't see that coming. It was very much like, okay, we're hitting all the beats of a thriller type, not horror thriller type movie. And I don't know. I was kind of bored um, halfway through. But... I think Sandra Bullock, her character arc, I think is actually very rewarding by the time we get to the end. Like the the stupid joke I made on Twitter about how she tells somebody not to lie to the children and then like the next scene she tells them um, that strawberry Pop-Tarts are what strawberries taste like. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Are you saying they're not? <laughs> that No, that got some massive backlash. <laughs> I... It, one, I stand by that tweet being a very t- funny tweet, but it actually there is like some some character development in that moment. But I I don't know. I did not get the fascination of why everyone said this was a must see event. But I'm not mad that I watched it. What did you think, Maverick? Um, I think John Malkovich. If any of was you are aware, is was was probably one of the MVPs of the the movie. Yeah, um, not going to spoil exactly his role um, and what kind of a person he is, but I think he's very relatable and he's very much the voice of reason. 
that's as far as I'm going to go on that. Um, I mean, otherwise, um, it, I mean, it's had a pretty nice cast. I mean, it did have Sandra Bullock, um, John Malkovich, uh, Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. Uh, oh, in there for a little bit. <laughs> I was like, I, I didn't know Eminem killed your career that bad that you have to try acting now, but. But he wasn't bad. Like, no. He, was he, he wasn't there for too long, but like, he it was pretty good. Um, now, I think um, people started getting onto the Travante Rhodes uh, hype train because mm-hmm. some people didn't watch Moonlight and they <laughs> didn't see what, uh, his performance in that movie. Um, he had an awesome role. Um, I mean, I thought the kids, <laughs> as uh, being kids and acting like kids, they were. I thought the actors were did pretty well in their mm-hmm. roles for their age in this kind of a situation and a genre. Kudos to them. I have had a bit of an extreme reaction to it, and when I think about it, like it's fine. Like it's it's an aggressively okay movie. You were clout chasing. It was just like, I don't think it deserved the hype that it got. Did you hear that there are some people that think that Netflix invented some of the hype? Like put like some some bots on Twitter to say, oh my God, Bird Box, which got people. It's one of the first kind of movies in a while from Netflix that kind of had this kind of level of hype. And I didn't really understand it, so I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to see this for myself. Um, so if it was, I mean, it's pretty good marketing. Yeah, I mean, Netflix actually had a pretty good year for movies. Like I heard um, the Dumplin', Dumplin' might have came out early this year, but I heard that was really good, which I think stars Olympia yes. um, from Bird Box, who I still have words for. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we, we might get to a spoilery talk next week or something if David has seen it. Yeah, we might jump into some bird box spoilers, which, again, not if you heard the premise, you can probably guess how it goes. But um, let's see what my train of thought is gone. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. See, if you're really that interested, watch it. I think it's better than a lot of what you would see on TV or anything. Oh, I was talking about Bird, uh, Netflix original movies. Yeah, Bird Box was, uh, I mean, whatever you think of it, was a hit for Netflix. Um, to All the Boys I've Loved Before was a huge hit um, for Netflix. It's kind of counter-programming to the Crazy Rich Asians. They had a, a pretty solid year for their own movies. Um, so I think that's something to to look out for. With Roma, also Roma being... Um, maybe nominated for Best Picture. I'm pretty sure it won um, Best Director at the Globes. So, not that the, which I'm mad at the Golden Globes right now, but Globes are going to globe. Anyway, we should move on to another Netflix uh, project, should we call it? Yeah, I don't know what I would call it. Revolution, because it did have to change the way that Netflix cashed stuff. I'm not going to call it a revolution because I, I'll i get into that later. Bandersnatch, the, um, the Black Mirror edition for this year. Uh, so there's about six hours of content for Bandersnatch. I'm pretty sure I've seen all of it. I thought it was like two hours. It's just there's a ton of different paths. I think there's six total hours. Of and unique for, footage or of total? Of unique footage. And it takes you about, it should take you about an hour and a half to get to one of like the main endings. Yeah. Um, what did you think, Aaron? I thought. The, first, let's, let's talk about it this way. How did you like the experience? I thought the experience was awesome, except I would have liked doing it by myself. I think I did it with my brother and my cousin the first time I watched it. And so we had to vote every time a decision came up and my cousin was holding the remote. So by the end she was just choosing the most ridiculous thing every time. Um, It wasn't like a classic choose your own adventure book in that way in that 
you couldn't, well, I mean, like you could choose your own, but if you're watching it in a group, you don't have free will. Although we never have free will. It's just diverging realities. Um, Does anyone have free will? (laughs) But I thought that it was a very fun experience. Because I think it has a lot of Westworld type vibes where you're you're getting in a situation where you're in this what quote unquote free world and you're making your own decisions, but ultimately you're being tracked for it. I think that we'll get into that in a second, Matt, because that's something I do want to talk about. Um, for me, the experience, I agree. I, I would have preferred watching it alone. I watched it with Carla. Um and we kind of traded off decisions. Um, and I would kind of like, I might go back and explore it a little bit more, like change up the order of my decisions to see if that plays a part. Um, but my main question is, do you think this is going to be a thing that people are going to want, like a thing that studios are going to want to do, like a choose your adventure type of story? I don't think just that it's admit it. Be... People want episode eight to be like this, so they can change it and be canonically different. <laughs> I don't think that this is going to be like the main thing, but I could see this being like something like an in between thing, like how in video games between AAA titles for like Nintendo, a lot of the time they have remakes of old games. Like this could be a companion thing or something on the side, but I don't see it being. A main project. I think it could be a niche, dis- uh, like kind of genre, but I, I think it does speak a lot to just overall canon with any type of movie. That when you're kind of recollecting a movie, there is one ending. They can add an alternate ending, like in the DVD version or elsewhere. Um, but that does kind of blur those lines when going into this type of a presentation. For me, I think. I'm going to steal this take from another podcast, which I, I'm good at, uh, from Fighting in the War Room, where they said that, yes, it was fun, but there's a reason that, like, choose-your-own-adventure books are still kind of niche and not really, like, a thing that people, like... Like, people will, like, do it for a while, but it's not, like, the thing they're going to come back to over and over and over again. And I agree with what they said on that podcast that I think a good part of storytelling is decisions being taken away from you and having the story told for you and having a perspective forced on you. I think that's a really important part of storytelling, which to loop that into the second part of this conversation about the actual story I think that even as a a choose-your-own-adventure story, it did a good job of forcing a perspective on you, that perspective being a very, very Black Mirror-ish sort of perspective where I think it made a lot of people uncomfortable. I was talking to some people on Twitter who were like, yeah, I tried to make my character do the right thing, but it wouldn't, every time I tried to do the right thing, it forced me down the path where I had to do something I didn't want to do. Which and I there think, is, a, I think, a particular scene where you, if you kind of do it a certain way or exhaust your options, you are forced to do it. Mm-hmm. I did. I was not forced to do it. I did it on the first try. Uh, <laughs> <because I, laughs> you had all, I guess there is that choice. I but because you, I said this is Black Mirror. We're gonna go. We're gonna go down the spiral. <laughs> um. So yeah, I I do think that's another interesting part of this type of storytelling is what gets to be a choice and what doesn't. So Yeah. I think that the theme of th- free will throughout the whole thing and how you're controlling Stefan or Stefan however you say his name. Uh, is or Stefan, whatever it is, is interesting because a lot of the choices that you have end up not being choices you have. Because if you look at the decision tree of the whole show, 
a lot of the things end up at the same outcome. Where it's almost inconsequential. Almost. Yes, exactly. And there are things that you think might be a huge decision. Like I thought that the serial and the music were going to play a big decision or we're going to play a big role because why wouldn't they? And they ended up being nothing. Even though there was a part, I I mean, the mildest of mild spoilers for Bandersnatch. Um, I chose the now that's what you call music option for what to listen to because I wanted to hear the hits. Um, <laughs> and I thought it was funny that when he, when um, Will Poulter's character um, asked what kind of music he listens to to get into the get into the mood, he was like, oh, just some compilations. I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, speaking of Will Poulter, I have only seen him in Maze Runner, uh, which I think he did a good job in Maze Runner, but I don't think those are very good movies. He was great. <laughs> He's also in Where the Mailers. Yeah, I'd seen him that's in both what, of those. That's the movie I, I know him from. He was fantastic in that movie. Yeah, I thought he was great in both of those movies. I thought he was unbelievable in Bandersnatch. And his accent uh, is an experience. I do. Also, he um, he got bullied off of Twitter because of his like weird hair. And people, don't be mean to to actors on Twitter. Stop it. Be nice to people. Also, I felt and like I, his hair was part of his character. Right? <laughs> Like, he was the eccentric, druggy video game developer. How would you not want him to have hair like that? <laughs> People did put his face, like, from Sid from Toy Story and doing <laughs> the decision <laughs> yeah, tree but... of sending the rocket. People have been doing that, though. <laughs> that was so funny. And that is not the first time somebody's done that to him. Um, oh, man. No, he did a fantastic job in this role. Um very, one of the, the very bright spots of the whole project. I mean, going back to hold the whole conversation about the free will, I think it, at least they do acknowledge it in a sense in some of the plot lines that they understand too about the whole idea of free will, especially in the characters, because they kind of feel it in a way themselves. Yeah. I mean, not in a way. Yeah. Um, which I think was a a good way to break the fourth wall. I think sometimes in quote unquote, in today's day and age, I think it can be a little exhausting for characters to break the fourth wall all the time. I think this was a very tasteful way to do it, but we should move on because we have a lot to talk about. Um, but just real quickly, Aaron, would you recommend? Yes. Without question. Maverick. I I've never really been to the Black Mirror, but it's a I I'm always for interesting concepts. So if you're interested in seeing something new, I would definitely give it a try. Yeah, I'm all about the big swing, and um, I think this was a a big swing for Black Mirror, and I appreciate it. So I always say go for it. Uh, Voltron. I am on episode nine of the final season. So I ha- I don't have like all the wave thoughts, but Aaron, what did you think? I think it's very meh. It's fun to watch, but the first half of the season is filler. And how can you have the first half of the last season of a show be filler and then have the second half be completely rushed? Not that any of the first half's bad episodes, but it just doesn't, feel in place see my thing about because i i'm i have i think four three or four episodes left i kind of like them going back to the going back to the less serious all the time episodes and having some more just like the characters being themselves in the world that they've created so I appreciated that, yeah. that aspect of it. But I feel like they should be advancing the plot when there's so much that needs to be answered 
and I'm looking through the list of episodes and stuff happens, stuff goes down the last five episodes, but episodes one through eight, there isn't really much that happens. Like clear day is a very fun episode. I but love what Clear does Day. Clear Day have to do <laughs> with saving the universe? Clear Day was so fun. I also, like the song. The- <laughs> and the episode, um, the quote-unquote mall episode of this season um, was also a very fun episode. And yeah. just a, an interesting way to tell the story of Voltron. Um and I thought the vlog episode was an interesting storytelling method too, but I feel like those episodes would have been better suited to make every other season an episode longer and have an extra filler episode and then have a down to business eight episodes to end the show. Perhaps. I think some of that is because they, they had, they set up a lot at the end of last season. Um, and now we're seeing the end of that. So, yeah, I can, again, I haven't finished it yet. I'll probably finish it next week, but, um, yeah, I'm interested to see how it ends. All that I'm going to say about the ending is that you're not going to be surprised at all. It will be surprising, but you're not going to be surprised how they do the ending. Okay. (laughs) I'll keep that in mind. We could talk about Um, it more detailed next week. Yes. A series of unfortunate events. Stop, Siri. I did not say your name. (laughs) I blew through the last season of a series of unfortunate events like I did the other two seasons, and I was blown away. I've been a huge fan of the show since season one, and the last season did not disappoint at all. Neither of y'all watched it, right? No. So it's got a lot lighter of a tone than the books. The books are like very black humor or dark humor. I think they call it black humor. I don't know. Whatever it's called, where it's like anti-humor. And the show it definitely has that feeling, but it's a lot more in your face about it. And it's jokey jokey about the humor, as you say, Colby. And it's, but it's still a lot of fun. And Patrick Warburton is the narrator and he's Lemony Snicket and he's amazing. And the kids all improved a ton throughout the show. And just the method of storytelling and the set design and the costumes were all fantastic. I have a very, I love the first two seasons. First two seasons are great. Um, I have a very vivid image in my head of what the end looks like. Like what that, I mean, if you've seen the cover of the book, this isn't a spoiler, what that island looks like. Yeah. So I, I'm interested to see if everything is, this might be a case of, I mean, it's good, but how I envisioned it was blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I can see that. The island was not the way that I envisioned it. But, I mean, I think the best book is almost definitely the penultimate peril. And the best episode was definitely the penultimate peril. And it blew everything out of the water. And it did a good job of packaging all the themes of the show and the books and the plot was great, and the acting was well done, and it was overall very good. It's, I feel like the show has really become like a Wes Anderson-esque doing in the set design and in the humor style, and I'm a huge fan of that. I can see it in the, um, in the cinematography. Yeah. And how they, how they compose the shots is very much like balanced and flat um i can i can see where you're coming from and that it's not nearly as vibrant oh definitely as, not definitely as not west anderson uh uh west anderson project but i definitely see where you're coming from it there yeah uh, and on the we, subject of breaking the fourth wall unless we need to move on no last slide i was just gonna say that they break the fourth wall a ton in the show and i always think it's hilarious 
instant hotel. So I found this show when I was bored yesterday after class. Uh, and I have watched almost two full five episode mini seasons of it in the past day. It is basically house hunters, but Australia and Airbnb and it's a competition and it is everything that I want it to be. Um, I get to look at awesome houses and I get to see caddy drama and I get to see Australia, which I'm not an expert on. Oh man. Caddy dramas. Well, cause they realize that it's a competition so they can be catty about criticizing the houses that they're staying in. So the I mean, premise of the show is of- there are five couples and they each have an instant hotel, which is what they call an Airbnb. And so the other four couples each stay at one of the couple's houses for a night and they rotate and each of the four couples rates the house and they rate it based on how nice the house is, how well they sleep, the value for the money and the location and like what there is to do. And then there's a hotel expert who also rates the house and then the hosts rate the guests. And Hmm. as the seasons go on, it gets to be more drama as you can imagine. And it's great. I know I'm going on a tangent and we got to go on. Um, speaking of caddy dramas in Australia, did y'all see this viral clip from The Bachelor? Um, the only things from The Bachelor I've seen this season are the promos where they are really harping on the fact that he's a virgin. And to be honest, it's making me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I watched on Monday and that was all any of the girls talked about. Like one of their gifts that they presented was she had a cherry balloon and she popped it and she was like, I popped your cherry. Oh, that's weird. Um, but yeah, the <laughs> one girl faked an Australian accent yeah. when she yeah. introduced herself. Oh no. And she was very careful. She said, and she's like, what kind of accent? It's like, it's like, this is an Australian accent. Didn't say I'm from Australia. She said, this is an Australian, <laughs> an Australian accent. Australian accent. That's amazing. <laughs> So she was very, very sneaky about it, but very sly. Oh, very man. clever response, and she, because she never once said that she was Australian or is from Australia, just this accent is Australian. And she's like, "I thought you might be a sucker for that." And she's like, "I'm not really from Australia, but sometimes you have to make uh, you have to stand out." All right, last thing before we go into the audible, you. Maverick. Sorry, I had some mic interference. I was trying to fix that. <laughs> I thought you... So, yeah. Yeah. But, go. I mean, once again, Netflix is just kind of in their bag at this moment, sending out <laughs> successful projects after another. So, this one is also just dabbling more into the dark and kind of scary and thriller-ish. For anyone that's not really aware of the synopsis, there's this guy named Joe... He runs a bookstore, and this woman comes into his bookstore named Guinevere, and he basically falls in love at first sight, and the whole season is basically about him stalking her. And so it's very much a a dark and troubling topic, but naturally I I think the show does a really good job of kind of painting like anti-heroism. It's kind of like that guilty pleasure in the sense where you know it's bad and it's you know exposing like a lot of realities in that kind of a world you know people stalking and so forth but also at the same time there comes a moment where you're kind of rooting for things to work out and for them to be together and everything kind of like uh, we were talking earlier like Walter White and Breaking Bad and all these like other shows with anti-heroes where you know what they're doing is absolutely wrong but you're like but I care <laughs> And so, but it, I think it broaches a lot of topics like social media, uh, everything else. And I think ultimately, because um, it does a whole lot of different ideas about stalking and what constitutes it. And I think it's a guilty pleasure for a lot of people because they do probably less notable things. They're like, okay, at least I'm not this person. I, this might be one I have to check out just because I, 
I'm interested in how you balance like stalking as love. And which that, is, you know, and it's it, I mean it's that was my concern too cuz like it's it's a very dark topic. From and, especially from the from the viewpoint of the stalker. Mhm. And it goes a lot into like I'm he, it not doing full spoiler things, but he's doing things for her. He's protecting her from other people. Um, you can put two and two together what kind of people they are in her life um, and that he's crossing a lot of lines in order uh, in the love that he has for her, but and expecting her to be grateful for it at the same time because he's the one that's going to fix everything. And so it's like that nice the nice guy complex. It kind of delves into that a little bit. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think you hit it on the nail. Like, it's a very difficult subject to broach while still making it enjoyable and not as dark as it is. It's a high wire act. <laughs> I, I want to see how well they they tackle it. But we'll do that. I'll see if I ever circle around to it. We'll see. My list is long. I- Highly recommend it. It's another show with like the secrets got secrets. <laughs> Is it time for an audible? We got to switch it up on them. This segment is brought to you by Audible. For you, the listeners who never made varsity, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. My recommendation for this week is You by Caroline Kepnis. You can listen to that through Audible. You can download it or another audiobook free by trying audible.com. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nmvpod. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nmvpod for your free audiobook. So, we have an Audible. We're also 40 minutes in. We can make it quick. Uh, well, it's yours, so go for it. I mean, I don't really know what to make the audible. The subject is just food on Franklin because there's the inevitable semester turnover. So Asia Cafe Wait, who didn't closed. Survive? Asia Cafe on closed. Franklin Street. What? Oh, I didn't like that that much. And y'all, y'all better put some respect on Asia Cafe. And Tama T closed as well after like okay. eight months open. Asia Cafe, in my opinion, will not be missed because I would rather just pay the extra dollar for delivery and get Jade Palace or Hunam, which I think are superior quality. Although I do think Colby's counter argument is valid for his personal preference. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Carla and I were the only ones keeping Asia Cafe in business. Um, but I think that both Jade Palace and Hunam are too saucy with their like. Um, Dare, General So's, and Sesame. And Asia Cafe had just, like, the best, like, you put some sauce on it, but it's not drowning in it. And it yeah, was good. See, I also, like my, Asia Cafe should pay us. Like, <laughs> I like my... Well, they can't pay us anymore because they're gone. But Yikes. I like my <laughs> General So's chicken drowning. So, yeah, I feel like that's a personal preference thing. Tama tea, I never once visited. Yaya tea, I frequent because they have good bubble tea, and I love bubble tea. And they also have, like, a bunch of imported Japanese candy, which I need to try because it seems fun and yummy. Um, And the other major change is that Hibachi made their prices a... Well, I don't know about all their prices, but they made their lunch special a dollar more expensive. So now it's 8 bucks instead of 7 which still isn't a deal. Sig- yeah, it's still a great deal, but that extra dollar will add up. Um, also, have you all heard about the new f- meal pl- Franklin Street meal plan from Elevate? No. I've seen memes about it on Facebook. They have the most aggressive advertising campaign. Basically, it's at like here, Michigan, Florida State, and a couple other schools, and the way it works is you pay like nine ish bucks a meal. 
depending on how many meals you buy and they roll over every semester and you order things from their app and then you just pick it up and go and it's like supposed to be a better deal and more accessible than dining halls. And I think in theory it's a good idea, but in practice it's not very worthwhile. Like hibachi's on it and their thing is you get the lunch special for one swipe, but that's $9 for an $8 meal or like cosmic is on it. And one swipe is three chicken tacos cosmic be still my heart i love cosmic <laughs> I do too. that is one of the <laughs> only things that i will mourn if it dies out i was texting carlo the other day like i really miss cosmic <laughs> i didn't like it my first year but it has grown on me so much ever since like now i crave cosmic it was good my freshman year it was awesome like my sophomore year and junior year kind of died down as bandito stole my heart and then senior year with trivia, I was like, you're not too bad after all. <laughs> I've actually only been to Bandito's like twice this whole year. Shame. And I also still I've had to find a new ACP re- place here back home. I haven't been to the redesigned Monterey yet. I have been in that new one. It's a lot larger. Yeah. And they don't do the queso special at that one anymore. Yeah, but also my ACP was dry the last time I went there. I, I was kind of disappointed. Oh, while we're songs. on this major food tangent, I went to the pit in Durham yesterday, and oh my gosh, it was so good. It's what is it? Bar, it's a barbecue place in Durham, oh. and it's a little pricier oh, than pit. Hillsborough. Yeah, the pit is good. Yeah, it was so good, and then I had it again for leftovers for dinner tonight and it was just as good again even though it was warmed in the microwave highly highly recommend and it comes with free hush puppies and biscuits it is a 10 out of 10 although it is a little more expensive than hillsborough barbecue so just keep that in mind so what is the comparison like to a place like hillsborough so like a two item plate with two sides is 18 bucks it's so like five bucks more expensive, but it's like really, really good quality. Hmm. And I might have also, to try that when I go back down. Right by there, uh, Megan and I drove by a barcade and an axe throwing place, so I want to try both of those out next time I'm there. Because axe throwing seems very fun, and you can never go wrong with a barcade. Yeah. <laughs> Tag. Are, are there places that are but have gotten a new place to yet? Uh, Tomati has not gotten a new place yet. Smoothie King. Wait, no. Smooth... Did Smoothie King close or is it still open? I feel like it closed. Maybe. Rip. I think it did close because there's a hemp shop going in somewhere. What? Like selling like CBD oil, probably not like actual marijuana. Oh, um, I don't remember if that's where, yeah, that's where smoothie King was. Sweet frog turned into Tama tea, which turned into nothing at the moment. And Asia cafe is now turning into a curry place. And the Krispy Kreme is still empty. I'm pretty sure. Rib Krispy Kreme. I still can't believe that awesome didn't real. succeed on Franklin Street. Like, I mean, you got donuts and college kids, and they had a monopoly on the industry because the nearest Dunkin' is by Estes. But Insomnia. Yeah, but Insomnia is not open in the mornings. But they deliver at night. <laughs> That's true. Was the Krispy Kreme 24 hour? No. It was not. When did it close I know, down? I wanted some. I wanted some donuts real late one time, and it was very sad. Because I feel like it would corner the breakfast crowd for people who don't have time to go to somewhere like Sutton's or Ye Old Waffle Shop. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> it's most hungry. It is 10:45. <laughs> yeah, now I'm hungry talking about all this food. Now I kind of want Waffle House. Go get some Waffle House when we finish. Maybe. (laughs) 
Uh, I saw Aquaman. Um, directed by James Wan, who did a bunch of horror movies and also Furious Seven. Um, I liked it. I think it is a clear second as far as like DCEU movies. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a very clear second as far as um, DCEU movies. It is. The one thing I'll say that I did not like about it, James Wan is a horror director, and this is very much paced like a horror movie where it feels like every quiet moment is just waiting for something to explode or something to pop out of nowhere or for something to happen. So you can't really like savor the quiet moments in the movie without waiting for something to happen. And I think that's to its detriment. Um, it's long. It's two hours and 20 minutes. And there's so much exposition of stuff I don't care about. Like there was a five minute dialogue sequence of them just like talking to each other but really just explaining to the audience how ocean politics works and it was very draining very early in the movie i really feel like they could have taken a good 30 minutes out of this movie and it would have been better for it but the further away i get from the movie the more i like it i i would go i would if you are interested in Superman, uh, not Superman movies, superhero movies, I think Aquaman is a good one to go see. Um, let's see. Vice. Oh yeah, I watched it. What did you think? Because I have, I have heard a lot of things about Vice. I thought it was a little weird. It was interesting, but I didn't really learn anything new about Dick Cheney. And it was weird because they kind of juxtaposed it with being a serious movie while also trying to be funny. And it just didn't hit a lot of the time. A lot of the criticism I've heard is that it's just a lot of like dunking on the right and dunking on the Bush administration, which is kind of weird to do in a little pointless in 2018 that's 2019 yeah where there's not really that much new to say about the the bush administration yeah i definitely think that's the shortcoming of the movie is that unless you know nothing about the bush administration or about dick cheney you're not going to learn anything new in the movie but they do yeah. acknowledge in the end I think there there was a post credit scene, and they acknowledged that it was a movie made for liberals. Um, and like I would be shocked if like if conservatives walked out of the movie happy because it was just crapping on Cheney and on the whole administration over and over and over again. And like you said, I don't know what that accomplishes when their reputation is already very much decided. What, 11 years at, 11 years yeah. after they've been out of the White House. And for me, it's, or from what I've heard from a lot of my liberal friends, it's like, what's, why are we here? Like, there, there's, you're not adding anything to the conversation, so I'm not sure what the point of this is. Like, if, yeah. I, like if I just want to see a bunch of people mad at Republicans, I can just go on Twitter. Like, there's no reason for for this movie to exist in th- in this way. Yeah. I, I think if if one of my political junkie friends wanted to see it, then I would say go ahead, but for the average Joe, I would not really recommend the film. I really liked the big short, so I was hoping that it would be kind of like that where I did learn a lot watching the big short. Um, but I don't know. One thing I wanted to mention just as a, a somewhat of a different thematic element, Jesse Plemons character 
in Vice. Has a a different kind of twist with it, uh, within the subplot of the uh, going through the film. Let's see. I I haven't seen it, so I I don't. Which character? Kurt. Uh, he's the average American guy. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like that was kind of. It was just weird. Because um, it's kind of a spoiler thing, but in not because it is somewhat historically historical fiction ish. Um, but also, it's kind of he's kind of the image of quote unquote America, given all the policies and everything that's going through in the main plot. Uh, with the administration. Yeah. I just feel like I was just confused every time he came on screen and then until you understand why he's, yeah, but it doesn't really retroactively explain anything and it's just out of place. I feel like that's a lot of the movie is just out of place. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw Bumblebee. It is the best Transformers movie, I think, by a margin, which I think says more about the Transformers franchise than it does about Bumblebee. Um, it's also a very good um, Herbie movie. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's just, it's a good story about a girl in her car. It's very sweet. Um, I think that uh, who directed Travis Knight, I believe Phil Knight's son directed it like Nike Phil Knight's son directed it. Um, and I think that his style is a lot quieter <laughs> for lack of a better word than Michael Bay, which is not, you know, that's not a high bar to clear, but I think that the, kind of softer moments of the movie uh, emotionally and like volume wise do a lot for it. So Haley Steinfeld is great. Um, John Cena is John Cena. I still can't tell if the Transformer franchise likes the military or hates the military. I do know the Transformers um, franchise hates nerds. And people that like numbers. Um, but yeah, I I really like Bumblebee. There was also a Shape of Water um, kind of scene at the end, which made me feel weird things. Um, but I, I really liked Bumblebee. So if you like the Transformers franchise, if you're a fan of the Transformers franchise, like before the movies came out, like pre-2007, I think you should check it out. Um, Aaron, you guys switch. Yeah, I have a lot of video games to talk about. So I ordered a switch on Cyber Monday and it finally came the day that I left at the end of finals. And I played it a bunch over winter break and I've played it a good amount since I've come back and it is such a good gaming console. Um, I played Nintendo growing up, so I definitely think that influences my opinion on it but the two games that i've played most well the the two only the only two real games that i have are mario kart 8 deluxe and super smash bros ultimate which are both just complete swan songs to the rest of their franchises they're easily the best out of any of the games in both of those franchises that i've played and even though i've mostly played single player they're still so much fun um and they're just perfection of their games. And I also have played Fortnite on there, which like Fortnite on a con- a mobile slash console that is very playable is very fun because I've never played before that. And even though I suck, it's a lot of fun. And I feel like the best part of the Switch is the versatility um, because I can play it at home in my dock where it's on my TV in 1080p. And then I could take it with me every I take it with me every day. And like if I have an hour between class, then I just sit down and play for an hour. And it's perfect because it's legitimate console games that I'm playing on the go. 
That is cool. And also the controllers are very versatile, which is awesome. So the way the Joy-Cons work, which are the controllers that attach to the console, they're each half or a whole controller. So when it's on the console, the left one and the right one are each half of the controller. So you have the left joystick and the D-pad on the right joystick and the ABXY buttons. But if you're playing two-player and you just have those, they each could be their own controller. So you turn them sideways and they each have a joystick and ABXY and an L and an R button. So with two sets of Joy-Cons, which is what I have, I could play four-player or I could play two-player with full controllers. Which is really great for hanging out with people I'm playing. Yeah. So yeah, it is like a 10 out of 10 console from me. What about Um, the 3DS? Yeah, so I also... And back into playing my 3DS now because they re-released my all-time favorite DS game on 3DS, Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story. Which, if you've never played the Mario and Luigi series, it's a lot different than the regular Mario games in that you're doing two-player battles, kind of, where both Mario and Luigi are equally the protagonist and you're always doing stuff in a team. And then Bowser's Inside Story is a different version where Bowser is also a protagonist and you're going against this other dude and it's a lot of fun. So basically Bowser swallows everything, including the bros and half the game is inside Bowser's body and half the game is in the overworld. And I've Hmm. played six and a half hours in the 24 hours that I've had it. So yeah, it is an excellent game. If you're looking for a DS game or a 3DS game, I highly recommend playing the original or remastered version. Oh, I just remember before I go into my last topic, um, I played the Spider-Man DLC and it's great. Um, Again, Spider-Man on PS4 is my favorite game of the year and I'm glad I played the DLC. It was very fun. I played it all in three days. Oh, also... Before you go on, I think that part of my problem with getting a new console, though, is that I now have a list of like $600 worth of stuff that I want to get for it because I want to get another controller and I want to get like eight games now. And it's all very expensive. It is very expensive. So I need to buy things in moderation. Have y'all seen the promos for The Masked Singer? I have not. I have not either. The Masked Singer is a new game show on Fox or a reality syncing show on Fox, um, which comes straight from the dystopian future where all the syncing shows that we watch are from already famous people. Um, the, <laughs> the concept of the show is that there are 16 celebrities in masks. And every show, t- uh, they go in pairs and, like, do a sing-off. And whoever loses gets put on the chopping block. And the worst singer of the night is voted on. And then they, um, whoever loses has to take off their mask and we figure out who the celebrity is. And that's the whole show. Interesting. It is so great. It is so addictive. Like, I saw the show and I was like, I'm going to really love this, aren't I? Um, The first episode, um, the celebrity was Antonio Brown. (laughs) Um, He sang my prerogative. Is that what he was doing instead of playing football? Yes, he was. No, it was filmed like June. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he sang my prerogative. And then last week it was Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong. So they have a a wide array of celebrities, and I'm interested in seeing who they all are. I will give updates every week on what's going on on The Masked Singer, because it's going to be that show for me. Are you going to say something? You look like 
No. <laughs> I was just going to say that the first f- couple times you said it, I thought you said the mass singer, not the masked singer. No. Mass- I was very confused. No. Because I thought you said there are a mass. bunch of singers or there are a bunch of celebrities in mass. <laughs> I was like, is this a Christian show? So, yeah. Not quite. That seems interesting. I highly recommend you watch it. Um, both episodes are on like Fox's website. I say check them out. So do they like, get something for winning or is it just like, oh, okay. When you find out who I was think so. under the mask. I think it's just, oh, okay. You were the best singer <laughs> in the mask. Um, Interesting. Also, also, Tommy Chong can't lip sync and it's kind of really funny. Um, <laughs> but that's all I have for this episode. It was a lot of content we had to we had to sift through, but we made it. Uh, and I was I was about to switch back to GarageBand, and my desktop is the um, two sunsets. That's very nice. The dual sunsets on Tatooine. Okay. Um. <laughs> yeah, y'all better get out of here. Sure. Well, I'm just gonna go back to my video game. I'm going to find some food. It's 11 o'clock at night, and I'm hungry. Um, but if you want to find us, you can do that at tinyurl.com. Varsity. Leave us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. Anything you liked or didn't like, be sure to let us know via our Twitter at NeverMadePod. Thank you to Audible for sponsoring the show. For your 30-day trial, go to audibletrial.com. Thank you to David Cutter for the music. Um, and we'll see you all next week. Happy New Year. Bye.